0: Greetings, I'm Karen Colligan, and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. I'm the founder of a leadership organization called PeopleThink, where I created the Keep It Real leadership program that equips and elevates emerging and advancing leaders. It's all online, and it can be done anywhere, and it can be done at any time. What I know for sure is all leaders lead differently, and that's the beauty of leadership. It's so important to understand what your unique leadership style is. Now that word is worth repeating. Unique. Because everyone has their own leadership style. Which will inform how they're going to help their team and help their organization move forward. You gotta be real and you gotta be bold and you gotta drive to take action. Because let's face it, people look to their leaders for vision, they look to their leaders for coaching and growth opportunities. This is why, as a leader, you wanna be crystal clear about your unique leadership style and competencies. The whole purpose of the Let's Talk Leadership podcast is to speak to a variety of leaders who are in different industries with different titles at different levels to better understand their unique way of leading. We're going to ask each leader the same six questions so we can provide you with a diverse way of looking at leadership. We want you to find those treasures that will help you be the best leader only you can be. So let's get moving and talk. To our next leadership guest. In this episode, I am thrilled to be speaking to Anne Devereaux-Mills, who is the founder of The Parlay House. We're going to hear all about Ann's approach to leadership. Anne, welcome, and thank you for being with us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Karen. It's
0: exciting. So, Anne, tell us a little bit about who you are and give us a snapshot of The Parlay House before we get into any of our conversation about leadership
1: great i think it might help to frame who i am before parlay house happened because i was a uh, multiple time uh, ceo in the world of advertising and led quite a number of companies both from the startup phase and the turnaround phase and that's where i sort of began to develop my leadership style And then in one of those moments you never hope would happen to anybody, I had a recurrence of some cancer that I battled earlier during a recession, and my boss decided it was better to let someone else run the company. And I found myself without a job, with my last kid leaving for college, with my health at risk, and not knowing who I was without (laughs) those things.
0: Whoa, whoa.
1: it It was from that deep, dark, transitional place that Parley House was born. And Parley House is now a global organization that welcomes over 10,000 women, uh, just like your podcast, from all levels, from all over the world, to talk about things that we don't have enough time to talk about in the rest of our lives. The kinds of conversations that when you hear someone else say something, you're either thinking or saying, oh my god, that same thing happened to me. Or, oh, someone else is talking about this. I have been wanting to not feel alone, to have a sense of belonging. And with our organization, which is both live and virtual, you do.
0: You and I know each other because I've attended those parlay events. And I can't emphasize enough the importance of knowing that you're with people who Get it? Who who? You don't have to. You don't have to be shy. You don't have to be intimidated. You can just say what you need to in a really really safe place. So the Parlay House has really been instrumental in in just helping me n- navigate and also meet new people who are like minded. So it's been a, it's been a great experience for me. And, and you know when when you talk about framing and your life before Parley House, and you think about your journey, it's, it's almost startling, isn't it? When, when you think about how sometimes things happen for us so that we can continue on that journey.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's one of the pieces of advice that I often give to younger women that I mentor is you shouldn't expect that your path is going to be straight because it never is. And in fact, some of the greatest growth opportunities, achievement opportunities, leadership opportunities come when you're not looking straight ahead. You're actually taking time to look all around you, to think non-traditionally, to innovate. Um, so yeah, I think, that, I think that what happened to me is, has become my mantra for how I lead and how I coach other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, I mean, that's, it's not good that it happened to you, um, but it's really going to inform as we go forward with our questions. So, and the first one, what I know is everybody defines leadership differently and some people do not take the time to really think about who they are as a leader. And so tell me, tell us, how do you define leadership?
1: Beyond sort of obviously having a, vision, clearly communicating it, being very clear in where you think you're taking your organization, I really define my role as a leader differently. I think that if I do that while creating a safe space that allows everybody to iterate in their way that adds value to themselves and to the organization that I'm the best possible leader. I'm not a heavy handed leader. I'm a leader with clarity and vision about where I want an organization to go. But I really think I've gotten the best things out of my people when they had that clarity enough and the the ability to try and fail and suggest and participate so that they could stretch way out of just what they were supposed to be doing. And I think that's the type of leader I am. I make it feel safe for people to, to try and fail and to try and succeed and to get recognized when they succeed and to also get recognized when they made an effort that was above and beyond that maybe didn't work out.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when you think about where we are in the world today, people are afraid to fail because it's complicated out there and we just don't know who to trust. And so when you can trust your leader to know that they're going to have your back and let you try new things, be successful at times and maybe not, but that you'll catch them is a, is a really important element. And then the other thing in terms of clarity. So if I work with you and I really understand the clarity of your vision, then I get to align who I am am to make sure that I am helping you and the organization achieve those goals in my way. And if I can iterate and feel safe doing that, you'll get so much more from me because I'll feel valued and I'll want to work really hard to get to where this organization needs to get to.
1: I agree, but I also think as a leader you want to make sure that you're telling your people you don't expect them to be exactly like you because mm-hmm. I, you know, one of the things that has made me successful over the years is to look for hiring people who are better than me in certain aspects of what i do because mm-hmm. they add so much and they, they're better than me because they've had different life experiences their lives look different their career paths were different their points of view are different and when we allow for those differences i think we create the strongest organizations and strongest teams
0: Oh, the, the more talent diversity, the better off we all are. No question about that. Fabulous. So, so then we get back to the values. And for me, when I think of values, I really think about that. And as our guiding light, it's kind of our North Star. And we need to have that foundation so we can be bold and we can be strong and we can have a backbone. So what are your top three values as a leader? Honesty. Mm-hmm
1: including when I mess up (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because I think that it's, you know, when you set yourself up as the one who never makes a mistake or fails, you're setting unrealistic expectations for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that, that honesty piece is really clear Um, inclusion in the decision-making because I've found that when I rely too much just on myself or the information that's given to me by people who are, Looking up to the top of the ladder, I don't get the full story. So I think with key decisions, inclusion is absolutely key. Um, And then I think I like to create an open environment so that people are able to try to participate outside of their assigned role. Mm. I think it's super important that that person I'm from the advertising world so that person who has been managing accounts but really is a good writer and has always wanted to try to write copy be given the opportunity to do that you it'll make them more appreciative of those that have that role and it could unlock new uh, growth routes for them within an organization. And I think within any kind of company, it doesn't have to be a creative one. Allowing people some cross-cultural experience creates a stronger organization.
0: Yeah, no question about that. And what, what happens for that is you said something that really is so true all of a sudden you'll have more empathy for that other person who maybe if you didn't really live in their shoes, you would not have recognized what they go through in order to, to produce what they produce. So. Let um, me me
1: tell you a funny, uh, fun trial we did at, at an organization I was running. I had just taken it over. We were trying to understand the leadership within the organization, who was who, how they thought, what they were. We had everybody do the strengths finder, assessment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the conference room wall, they put their five strengths without attributions. You didn't know whose strengths were whose on the wall. And everybody who had worked with everybody else, except me, I was the new person, walked around and tried to figure out which strengths belonged to which people. And we got it right 50% of the time. But the most important thing was in a creative organization, who are you usually most frustrated with? It's usually like finance because they think rationally and they think conservatively. And once you saw what their skills were as to how that could boost the organization instead of why they were frustrating you, it allowed for respect and a much better uh, working dynamic. And so I think that's just kind of a fun, it doesn't have to be StrengthsFinder, it can be any sort of assessment Mm -hmm. that allows you to open the dialogue within an organization to understand how people's brains work and how it can help you rather than frustrate you. It was a great leadership exercise.
0: Yeah, I I use multiple tools like that. And what I find is once we are self-aware and then we can start to pay attention to other people with a different set of eyes, if you will, a different lens, then it's that respect again. And it's, well, well, wait a minute. We need them on our team because that's not a skill or a gift I have. And we need it in order to be successful. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I get it. We don't want everybody to be creative or we don't want everybody to be X, Y, or Z. We need the diversity of talent. Yeah, definitely. Love it. All righty then. So the third question and is, you know, we're currently going through an enormous amount of transition in the world. I mean, between the global pandemic, that social awakening that continues to happen and the implications economically of both. How do you lead through transition and change because it's inevitable and it's just in this past, you know, year it's been so much bigger.
1: It has been, but I think if you're not a leader who feels like she's leading during a time of change, you're probably mistaken. (laughs) When the psychologists say each of us is going through some sort of personal transition every 12 to 18 months, and so I'm going to assume any organization I'm leading has close to 50% of those people changing something, a relationship, a career path, a uh, city, a you know whatever life stage you know becoming a parent whatever that is and that's causing sort of uncertainty for with within your organization already and i think um, you know even within the most staid stodgy businesses times are changing permanently So whether it's something that you're used to and is now digital, or it's something that you thought you'd mastered and now is incorporating AI into what it's doing. I mean, there's so many evolutions that I think as leaders, we have to be conscious of everything being fluid. And that is fun because when you are always challenging your assumptions, you're going to come up with new creative ways of differentiating yourself and what you're doing that keep your best talent engaged and keep your prospects looking at you for somebody who is ahead of the curve and thinks differently. So I think you, I think the assumption has to be, maybe it's not gonna be as tough and dramatic as it's been the last 18 months. Um, but I think we're mistaken if we don't see the world as in a constant state of flux.
0: Agree completely, and and that whole concept about evolving, and that we have to continue to evolve, which brings me to the next question: Is you, you know the best leaders are curious, they are evolving, they are always learning. So, what do you do for yourself to help you grow and continue to develop?
1: Well, one of the best things is being part of Parlay House because we we only have two rules. One is you're responsible for growing the organization. So if you think anybody that you know in your life would benefit from being included, you're in charge of including them. Mm -hmm. And the other rule is you can't come and be extractive. You can't come and introduce yourself by your title and ask someone else for something. You know, you can't start a nonprofit and ask the marketing person in the room for free services because we want everybody to feel they're in a non-transactional relationship uh, when they come to our events and that it's all about... Just being yourself and talking about ideas and talking about feelings and experiences and not knowing that you're talking to the CEO, or you're talking to the person who isn't working right now, or you're talking to the person who just got off the career track to have a baby, you're talking to someone on a holistic level that's not defined by those traditional business standards. So when I meet someone and I learn about how she sees the world or how she responds to a speaker that we might have, I grow too, in seeing her perspective. So I think, you know, the, the way that I grow is listening more than talking, observing, and seeing what I why someone does something and what I might be able to glean from that if there's something that I can, can benefit from. And then I think the other thing that I do is constantly try new things. So if you ask me, where do you wanna go on vacation? I'm always gonna answer that it's someplace I've never been. Mm-hmm. If you're going to ask me my favorite book, I can't really tell you because I'm thinking about the next book that I'm going to read that's going to make me think or understand a culture or understand history or, um, you know, see character development in a whole new way
0: yeah and there's nothing like that curiosity of what's around the corner what is possible what am i missing oh my goodness there, there's so much to know and learn and we you know as a leader sometimes and, and i'm sure you've been in the same organization same type of organizations where you get to a certain point and you look at people and you think they've just stopped they've just stopped and and i don't want to be with people like that i want people who will continue to lead me out of their curiosity so I can continue with my curiosity. No you're, question. You
1: no, know, you're right, Karen. And the other thing that I would say is I know a lot of people who have already achieved what would be defined as sort of the pinnacle of success by, by many, many measures. And most of them, didn't take the time to round out themselves as they were achieving, so now they find themselves to be 50 or 60 or you know maybe 70 years old, where the only thing that they knew how to do well and like doing was work, and they're not used to trying something that they're not successful at doing. So I say throughout your career, try things even if you don't like them. Try, take a ceramics class. Learn, you know, take lessons for 10 lessons to play a musical instrument. You might not be good, you might not like it, but keep doing those things so that you don't. Don't get to the end of your career life and not know the other things that you've been dying to find more time for.
0: Yes, and and Anne, I have to say to you, the saddest thing for me is when people get to this point where they believe retirement is everything and now I'm going to finally live oh, I'm going to retire and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And I think, well, why weren't you doing X, Y, and Z yes. before you retired? Because well, well, is there a magic, beautiful wand in sunrise and sunset? Not, no, no. It's about living life throughout your life and not just when you retire.
1: <laughs> 100%.
0: Yeah. So- so that's about you. What about the, the people that you work with? How do you give them development and growth opportunities? It sounds like your mantra is, you know, obviously you listen more than you talk, you're observing, um, you're constantly trying new things. So what what do you do with the people who work with you?
1: One of the greatest things anybody's ever said to me is that, you didn't know I was watching you when you were leading and I was your new employee, but by watching the way that you lived your life, I understood how I wanted to live mine. And so when you were open about what you were going through personally, when you were getting divorced. And when I got to that stage, I knew that successful people I admired had been through that and had the feelings that I was then having. So I, I'm kind of about um, living my life out loud in its imperfection. And therefore it allows for the people who are working for me to know that they can live their lives with imperfection as well and to allow them to experiment. You know, I have a right-hand person. I really rely on her daily for Parley House, uh, Arielle Fuller. And right now she and her boyfriend don't know where they want to live. And so they're going to spend the next year sort of, trying out different places and trying, you know, trying things on and seeing how it fits for them. And I'm creating the flexibility in the organization because I know she's so good and wherever she is, she's going to get things done that, you know, you, you make space for the people that you trust to do their own evolving and find their own center. Um, and, And I think that's the best thing a leader can do is when you find the people you trust, let them figure out how they best orchestrate their Total life
0: balance. And, you know, you said something about allowing her, Ariel, to find the space. And you have to give them the space to be able to do that. And that goes back to the trust factor. She's going to get it done. You know, she's going to get it done. And so if you trust her, she knows you trust her and you give her this space, well, that makes all the difference in the world for feeling very valued uh, for what I do and who I am. And, and you know, that's really important for, for people. It goes back to the whole emotional intelligence um, type of, of thing.
1: And and I think they feel anybody who's given extra freedom feels a sense of responsibility to deliver on their choice. So when it's their choice, you're going to get a higher level of performance because you have people who, you know, they want to succeed. They just might not want to do it in exactly the same way that you do. And, And in the end, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. And leaders allow that. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be my way. Although my way is
1: oh so smart,
0: (laughs) but of course. Okay. The last question in, this is about, you know, kind of talking about what, what you've already done about being this whole person. And, and so what keeps you balanced and brings you joy outside of, you know, the work that, that you can be completely present and completely full. Cause at the end of the day, none of us know, and so it's important to feel that joy. So, so, so t- do tell.
1: I have a predictable answer and maybe a less predictable answer. So, okay. I am lucky to be the mom of two amazing, now grown, successful daughters and two stepsons, and of course, the next generation of our family is is on the horizon as my eldest expects her first baby. And I've found that you know both with the time of covid where you're sort of doing more introspection about what you care about and in this stage of my life um, family relationships are incredibly important and do keep me centered and then the unexpected piece is i spent the first 14 months of covid on the island of Kauai, where i was lucky enough to head on march 14th as everything was shutting down. And it was beautiful because I could enjoy nature. Um, But what happened was I had so much downtime that I was trying to figure out what to do because I'm a doer. Mm -hmm. And one of the only things that was open on the island was a fabric store. Now, when I was in high school, I taught sewing lessons and sold fabric at the Stitch in Time in Seattle, Washington (laughs) to support my fashion habit. (laughs) I <laughs> couldn't afford to buy all the clothes. So I made the clothes and I loved it. And so I found during this past now year and a half, going back to my 16 year old self who would stay up till four in the morning to wear, to make a cute outfit, to wear to school the next day, I am just exploding with creativity. Wow. And, and to me, that's just, it's it's one of those things that if I'm not working and I'm not with my family, what do I want to be doing? I want to be imagining and turning it into things whether it's clothes for my soon-to-be granddaughter or something phenomenal for me to wear the next day
0: (laughs) (laughs) isn't that great and what what's so amazing about that story is can you imagine forgetting about time when you're in high school. I mean, really. And now it sounds like the same thing starting to, to happen. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, instead of looking at the clock on, it's bedtime, it's like, Oh no, I have more things to have yeah,
1: more hours, two more hours. Yeah.
0: Just- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I love that. That's exciting. So, so Anne, thank you. Thank you for your insight. And thank you for taking the time to talk about leadership because You know, it's so inspiring for me and the listeners to really hear, wow, what is this about? Because leadership to me, just as I said earlier, is so personal. So to have your wisdom and your time, I just, I can't thank you enough. And I can't wait to see the outfits that you will be making.
1: Follow me on Instagram, girl. I'm posting them all the time.
0: Are you okay? I promise to do that. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So
0: everyone, thanks for listening. I'm Karen Colligan, and you've been listening to Anne Devereaux Mills, who is the founder of Parlay House. Till the next episode of the Let's Talk Leadership podcast, have a good one. And don't forget to keep it real. Music by Poddington Bayer and editing by Mary Lee Williams. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. Bye now.